everyone. We are rolling for another episode of the JJF1 podcast, where Jonah and Jordan talk about all things related to F1. We're back a week later. I went to, I went on vacation. We watched the British Grand Prix last week, where Lewis Hamilton won from what should have been Max Verstappen, but it wasn't. It was Charles Leclerc and Valtteri Bottas. So we're recording this a week later. Um, we, we have, there was a lot of things that happened during the race that kind of just, we needed, that needed to settle for a while. So we're kind of leaving this very open. We know that we're going to talk about two major points here. Um, first off, uh, the crash. And then second, the idea of the sprint race and how that ended up going. So Jordan, how, how was that race last week? Yeah, well, like Jonah, I was also watching it from vacation, from uh, from uh, away from our normal home, and it was a very relaxing vacation, but an exhilarating race. And I was outside watching the race. I had F1 TV on my iPad. I was watching it outside on a balcony, and on my balcony, when the crash happened, I yelled. I said, what just happened? I yelled top of my lungs and the people next to me that were also on their balcony looked at me like I was a crazy person and it was (laughs) hilarious and they looked at me with a concerning look and I said, no, it's okay, it's just Formula One. But man, internally, I thought to myself, it's not just Formula One, it is a title-changing moment. And there is a lot to delve into because... This could be either an altering moment for the championship that can be legal, that could be illegal, that is highly contested and very controversial that I'm excited to see Jonah's opinion of. And so just to recap what happened, essentially in sprint qualifying, Max Verstappen overtook Lewis Hamilton to start from pole position. Lewis, the, the official pole position. The official pole position was... Because qualifying on Friday was the speed king. Yes. And they said... like It was funny because David Croft and Martin Brundle, they... Was it Martin... I forget who it was, but long story short, the announcers basically said the winner of the regular qualifying session, which happened on the Friday, was just the fastest in qualifying and not pole position. So... Max Verstappen took over the fastest in qualifying Lewis Hamilton to then start first in the Grand Prix. And so in the first lap, um, I would say about until, like right at the end of sector two, it was a heated, heated fight. Lewis looked like he was gonna get the go ahead at multiple points until the moment. And Jonah, I'll let you dive into the moment. So the moment, I mean, I, it was right before Cops Corner in the old pit straight where um, what seemed like Max trying to, well, officially making his ground into Cops Corner ended up hitting the front wheel. His back wheel ended up hitting the front wheel of Lewis Hamilton and therefore resulting in a 51G crash. Wait. With $1.2 million of damage to Red Bull. I was actually just going to add, I saw that it was 1.8 as of yesterday. Oh, okay. Christian Horner commented it was $1.8 million later. Red Bull now 
has a car. Hopefully, Max Verstappen is okay. We've show, seen pictures. He's okay. Right after the race, though, he was not doing too well, and he was very upset. So let's dive into it. Jonah, it was a very controversial hit. We saw that Christian Horner was very upset. We see him talking to race director Michael Massey at, during, during the red flag. We saw Toto getting mad about his email. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, I just sent you an email. Um, wonder what was in that email. But Jonah, what do you think? Who do you think is in the wrong? Oh, my God. Way to drop that on me because I don't know who was in the wrong. That's the thing. I... Do I understand why they gave a 10-second penalty to Lewis Hamilton? Yes. Would I have understood if they just said it was a racing incident? Also, yes. Because ah, for, for me, it's just so difficult where you literally had a, a quarter to half a second of a decision time of your break, of whether you break and you give him space or you or you turn to the right or you turn in or anything. I mean, we were just playing F1 2021 <laughs> a few minutes before recording, and we could barely drive F1 cars with an Xbox controller. So imagine how difficult it is driving an actual F1 car at 350 kilometers an hour. Um, I... I I don't know. That's the thing. I I'm not, I don't really know how to feel about it because I could say, like I read the article from Julian Palmer who said I think that the crash is a racing incident, and I said I understand what's going on, and then I saw, and then the actual penalty was yeah okay Max had a decent amount of room in front of Lewis. He should have given him the entire way, but uh, it's. It's really a coin flip for me between those two because I don't think we, especially in the in the early years of Max, he always had this history of being an extremely aggressive driver. And when you pit really aggressive against also really aggressive, you can't expect nothing to happen. So um, I don't know. For me, it's just it's just a toss up. I mean, I would not have wanted to be Michael Massey <laughs> last Sunday. Yeah, Michael Massey's job must have been really intense when he got a call from Christian Horner that I really like to see. I really hope they keep that coming. The, 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 the talk between uh, the, the team principals and everyone and Michael Massey? Yeah, at the I FIA, I think it's fantastic. They started at the Monaco Grand Prix, and I was shocked. I was very surprised by it, but it was the best surprise I've had uh, you know, uh, in a long time in Formula One. And, but yes, to your point... Max Verstappen has the reputation of being an aggressive driver. And Lewis right now is in, currently in a position where he was about, I believe it was more than 30 points behind in the championship. Yeah. So he, for Lewis, it's come to a point where, win, you know, the, I would say winter break, but the, the summer break is coming up. And he's behind the championship to Max for the first time, I believe, in his career. So he's in desperation. The first time that Max is leading too. So imagine how devastating. Exactly. That so Lewis Hamilton is in desperation mode right now, because if it wasn't going to be this race, Max would just have extended his advantage. It would have just been slowly but surely climbing and climbing until he won the world championship. So Lewis needed to make desperation moves 
and he needed to make desperation dives. What I will say, though, is that Max is an ultra-aggressive driver, and I don't think that there was enough room for Lewis to go through. Now, the debate is whether Lewis went into too small of a gap, or did Max not leave him enough yeah, space? Yeah, exactly. Was Max too far in on the braking line? Like Right. I think that because even before, uh, before uh, even into turn one, it was very intense, and there could have been contact made then also. I have to agree with Julian Palmer. I think it was a first lap racing instance because there were multiple points in that in those first couple of turns where they could have hit. And it wasn't either one's fault. And do I, and like, like you said, do I believe that Max didn't leave him enough room? Yes. Do I believe that Hamilton went for a small gap, maybe too small even? Yeah. Yes. And for that reason, I'm going to say that it was a first lap racing incident because it was just so heated. Yeah. And for me, it's just a coin toss. Yeah. I like, no, because... I, the thing is that I understand both arguments of giving him the penalty for causing a collision and it being labeled a racing incident and nothing happening from it because it's all in, it's all the interpretation of the video that now everyone in the world has. Right. So uh, I don't I don't know that that's the thing for me. I don't I don't have a, an official opinion on what <laughs> happened because it's it's. I'm not an F1 steward. I just became a referee in deck hockey. <laughs> that is the closest that I'll ever be to an F1 steward. So um, they they have all they have telemetry data on top of it. So um, this has been, I mean, it was a crazy, crazy crash. I watched with my my aunt and my nine year old cousin, and they were freaking out. And they don't watch F1, so. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Julian Palmer had great points. The FIA had a had a very good rationale as well, but his comeback drive from that 10-second penalty is sadly not what everyone is talking about. So, I mean, we're, you called it last uh, the week before when we recorded. You said Lewis Hamilton is going to win. You ended up being right, but we didn't know how. <laughs> yeah, well... Regardless of how he won with the crash, regardless of the opinion that we may have on the crash, the crash really set the foundation for what is to come in the title race. It really altered, you know, Max was on the trajectory of running away with it. Now we're back neck and neck. So Jonah, what do you think this crash, ha what, what do you think that the crash's implications are on the title race? I'll tell you exactly what it is. Turn one in Hungary is that giant, uh, that yes. giant hairpin. Something is gonna happen at that hairpin. It's probably gonna involve Bottas, <laughs> your favorite, and so it's it's gonna be controlled madness. I don't think that anyone's gonna be worse off because of it, because I think everyone would have learned their lesson, but. Um, it'll definitely leave for some great racing. I mean, Hungary isn't exactly known to have some fantastic racing, um, but who knows? We, we, had, we had interesting French, uh, Spanish and French Grand Prix this year, so anything is possible. I fully agree. And 
what I'll say, just to add to your point, because something is going to happen, I think that we've said that Max Verstappen's a very ultra-aggressive driver. I think it doesn't end here. We saw his frustration after the crash, especially on social media. We saw Christian Horner's frustration. Red Bull is livid. Yeah, they're very angry, and it could either mean one of two things. It could either mean that they're going to, you know, be so angry to the the point where they're going to be perfect for the rest of the season, or it goes really downhill from here. And when I say downhill, I don't mean it's going to be tight between Lewis Hamilton and Max. I mean, Lewis Hamilton's going to run away with it, and Max is going to make too many mistakes because of his anger. And I think that's the way that it's going to go. I think that Max is very angry. I think that Red Bull is very angry. And when Max is very angry, his aggressiveness does not uh, act in the right direction. And so I do think that this might lead to some reckless driving where we have some DNFs by Max coming up. And, 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 you know, I I always want a new winner. I always like seeing new and change. Yeah, I always like seeing changes. But unfortunately, I do think that this really... I think that this crash benefits Lewis more than it benefits Max, unfortunately. That that's my opinion. It sure, it sure, it sure gave him a benefit in the standings because now his lead is, from what I remember, under ten points or something like that. So, um, and especially when, uh, as well in the constructors' championship, I mean, Perez spun. <sighs> Poor Perez, but um, if we were doing a. If we were doing our most surprising moment of the weekend, I would have said Sergio Perez not doing anything from the back. Um, I thought that he would have at least made it to a point, but now you have Mercedes who finished one three, um, and it it was it was it was the worst case scenario for Red Bull this this week. They didn't pick up any points. Mercedes picked up. The first position, the first third position. position, but I think Red Bull got the fastest lap. Yeah, I'm mistaken, but it doesn't count. Yeah, but Perez got the fastest lap, but he didn't get a point for it because he finished outside of the top. Right, so it's just it Mercedes just that didn't get the points. Exactly. That was that's actually very smart. Um, but yes, I agree. Uh, Sergio, you know, he's been in sprint qualifying, yeah. and he didn't recover since. And like Seb's fun too. Like. Yeah, it was really it was not a good weekend for the veterans. Um, and even for George Russell, he went into P3, uh, P3, in Q3, um, started in P7. qualifying, started really well. No, he but, started the sprint in P7. Right? Yeah, but really, it, when it got to racing, like, George Russell is Mr. Saturday for a reason. He excels in qualifying, and when it comes to race pace, it's really not his cup of tea. Well, I, I think that we could just move on to the, the, the second point that we want to talk about, yes. is the sprint race. Um, because talking about George Russell... I mean, I don't think that it's he's called Mr. Saturday. Obviously, he's great in qualifying. But it could also mean that the Williams just has no race pace. Because Nicholas Latifi it shows that that car has no race pace. I'm sorry, Nicholas, but... Uh, what I'll tell you is this. Do we think that the Alfa Romeo has no race pace? No, the Alfa Romeo has some sort of race pace because it, it ends up in the points occasionally. Right. I, I'm hoping that that's the, the deal with Williams because they've shown it in qualifying that they can compete with the top 10 or at least you know the top 15. Mm-hmm. I would like that to be in the race. I understand there's different factors when it comes to the race. 
I really would like to see that. That would be a great, great entertaining moment for next week. George yeah. Russell really being competitive in the points. But let's talk about sprint qualifying because sprint qualifying, Jordan and I had a debate about it before. On episode uh, one. On episode one of this podcast. So if you've stuck with us until now, we thank you for listening. But since episode one, we've been talking about this sprint qualifying. I was not a big fan. Jonah was a big fan. But I have to concede. I have to concede to Jonah because I really enjoyed it. Whoever says that it's not a race, it is, it is a mini race. I know the. I know. That was the most action I've seen. Uh, that was the most action I've seen in the first few laps, probably in the, my most recent years of watching Formula One. So. Yeah, it was really fun to watch, especially that we got two doses of race pace on Saturday and Sunday. I thought it would be very similar to one another, but I actually it ended up being very different. You know, you you see how you know with Spain and France how tire strategy is so important in Formula One. You could tell you those. Don't need tire strategy you don't need tires. Yeah, it's it, the the sprint race is a no tire strategy race, and it's pure racing. And then you get to a strategic race, which I find very interesting. And those are my really my my, my closing thoughts on that because I really enjoyed it. I concede to Jonah; he might have been right. And uh, yeah, I really I really enjoyed sprint qualifying, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it in Monza. Confirmed for Monza. You know what? I'm 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 really happy that it it shook up the midfield, which is something that you said wasn't going to happen. Um, yeah, you were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> wrong. So uh, it, it, it helped teams like Aston Martin before Seb spun. Um, yeah. It helped teams like Alpine. It hurt teams like Williams. Um, if Daniel Ricciardo had a normal, like an inconsistent weekend, it's going to hurt him too. Like, um, I, I, I really enjoyed the fact that they put this in. I mean, it, it sucks that, I mean, realistically, even if Russell started a race P7, I don't think that he would have ended up in the points because that Williams had, had no race pace in a sprint race. Imagine race in pace race. in an actual race. So, um, but it, it really shows that especially... It, it, it really helps teams that focus their cars more on the race. Like Otmar Safnauer has always said, Aston Martin is a race car. It's not a, it's not a qualifying car. We, it, it, they, they proved it right this uh, last weekend in Silverstone where Lance did well, Seb did well until he spun in the real mm-hmm. race. Um, Alpine, like Ocon did fine. Alonso did well. The whole battle between Vettel and Alonso in both races was interesting. Like it was it was a really nice addition to to the to the weekend. And especially since it started at 1130 a.m. on Saturday and still instead of 9 a.m. on Saturday. Really practical for people living in North America (laughs) because uh, that means that we get to wake up slightly later. So that's that's my main thought on uh yeah, I'm just really looking forward to it, to see it at the Italian Grand Prix, the Temple of Speed. It's a fast track. Jordan and I just drove it on F1 2021, and it's a fast track. How many times did you hit the barrier? I did not finish. A, we did a five-lap race. I was driving with a Mercedes. He was driving with an Aston Martin. I was driving with my favorite driver, Valtteri Bottas, of course. Um, 
And uh, he, uh, he completed the race. I DNF'd every single time. Um, that, but it was also my first time playing the game. So in my defense, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to sprint race in Monza. And next week, we have the Hungaro Ring. Jonah, we've had this tradition of making some predictions. Prediction. I'll start off with mine. Okay. I think it's going to be another tire strategy race. And I'm not saying that because it happened in 2019 or 20, 2019 it was. It was 2019? Yes. I think it's going to be a very tire strategy race. I think we're going to have a repeat of, uh, of Spain. You know what I think? I think that... Another relative midfield team is going to get back on the podium. It's not going to be McLaren. It's not going to be Aston Martin. It's going to be Ferrari. Ferrari is going to be back on the podium this weekend. I don't know how. Something's going to happen. I feel it. It'll be whether it's Sainz or Leclerc. I mean, Leclerc drove a hell of a race last week. Yeah. And uh, I think that he, he, he really deserved the win. I'm not going to lie because... You know, there were all these memes last year of Ferrari being a red tractor and that it couldn't go, go fast. So, I mean, it's not the case this year, but the fact that he managed to hold off the lead after a restart was extremely, extremely impressive. But I think that he, that someone is going to get on the podium again next week, whether it be Sainz or Leclerc, I don't know, but that's, uh, that's, my, that's my prediction. Yeah, maybe we should do an episode on really Ferrari because they're very interesting this season, especially compared to last season. Leclerc drove a hell of a race. Signs showed some pace in tracks like, you know, in, in the city circuits, they showed a lot of pace. Monaco. Yeah. Um, so we'll see at the Hungaro ring. Uh, they didn't show so much pace in Austria. It's really variable this year. So we should, they're such an interesting case. That I think they deserve an entire episode, to be honest. Um, but yeah, great prediction. I'm hoping Botas wins, but we will see. Okay, well, we're going to be back in seven days' time for the Hungarian Grand Prix. So if you want to hear about that and hear more about us, uh, like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at JJF1Podcast. And we'll see you for the next episode. See ya!